This is a conspiracy. That's what this is. One big damn conspiracy! And everyone's in on it! I know what's going on. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Did you see the memo about this? Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. Don't you see what this means? Welcome to episode 29 of your Missing the Point podcast, where we discuss the weird, the wonderful, and the downright bizarre aspects of life, as we have conversations with people from all over the world. Today, we have a guest joining us on a very Aussie adventure through the bushlands, the scrub, the gullies, plains, rivers, and billabongs. You know him as Ron from New England. Others know him as the Samasquatch watching, car fixing, wicked warrior of the north. G'day, mate. What's going on? What's up, Drew? That was uh, very reminiscent of one of Buckley's introductions. Yes, I, I went with a, an Aussie-esque take on a Buckley intro for you to make you feel at that home. That was awesome. It was awesome. So how's things? Yeah, um, things are getting colder here. Things are starting to slow down. And, and then we look at what's going on in the States. It seems like all sorts of things are happening at the moment. Yeah, when isn't it here? I mean, it's a total, <laughs> it's a freaking mess here, Drew, all the time. It seems to be the same same news story cycle again and again, though. Trump's indicted for I don't know how many times now, again. You know what? I'm just so tired of hearing it. I haven't even looked into it. It's just more of a witch hunt. That's all it is. It, it seems it's- like it's the only thing they can do. If this one didn't work, let's try another one. Let's try another one. Let's try another one. It's all they've well, got on him. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. You know what I mean? They have to do whatever it takes to disqualify him from running in the next election. Which which that cycle is coming up, right? So, you know, the election will be in 2024. He wouldn't actually take office until 2025. You know, the election's in November, and then uh, they take office in January. But, uh, but yeah, you know, as far as I understand, you can still be president even if you're in prison. I'm not quite sure how that works, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's obviously it's obviously uh, pulling out all the stops, you know. And then, of course, all the Democrats they're they're gloating, right? But but I think their day is coming. I really do. Uh, you know, I'm in the state of New Hampshire, which is a predominantly independent state. Uh, you know, versus Democrat, Republican, or whatever, it's more registered independents, right? So, so when it comes voting time. You have to declare how this works is you have to declare at the time of voting in a presidential race or even the midterms, actually. And uh, you got to say, OK, I'm either going to vote Democrat or I'm going to vote Republican. Because we don't unfortunately, we don't have a third party here. So that's what the problem is. You know, they call it the unit party, but we don't have a third party separate party which we need as a matter of fact we need like more than that we need four or five parties 
like it was real you know, right after the revolution, you know, or, or I should say at the time when they declared independence in 1776, of course they claimed dependence, but they actually didn't win the war until I think 1780 or 81. So it was, so there was a little bit of a stretch there. Right. But they, once they declared independence here, uh, they just started operating as an independent country. And they just had to fight the British to, to get rid of them, you know, to get them off the United States, to get them off the continent, basically. And uh, so so what's happening now is you have all the Democrats, and then you have what we call here rhino Republicans, which means Republican in name only. I'm sure you're familiar with that. I am, yes. And, uh, yeah, it's just a mess, you know. And then DeSantis, he throws his hat in the ring, which I I – in my opinion, I think it was a huge mistake. He should have waited. Uh, he He's doing a good job in Florida, although there's some really controversial stuff going on in Florida right now. But, uh, but yeah, I just think it kind of muddles, muddles the, uh, the pool. You know what I'm saying? I do. Um, it's, it seems it's very odd that we're potentially going to see a Trump Biden election again, but you, it's really, it's really strange that, a lot of Democrats are actually really pissed off with the way Biden's actually run the country in the States, that they're actually talking out about how annoyed they are with the fact that there's no not going to be a debate for the, the Democratic nominees. That yeah, Biden, you know, no, no, Biden's that. essentially getting his, he's going to goose walk straight into the election and run another term. Well, I mean, that's basically what he did last time, right? I mean, he didn't come out, whenever he had rallies, it'd be maybe 20 people there. And, uh, you know, Trump obviously would bring in thousands. I mean, Trump did a did a rally in New Hampshire and one of our big venues, like where they have major concerts and sporting events. I mean, the place is huge. That was at capacity, and there was probably several thousand people outside watching it on the uh, the big jumbotrons that they have outside. So, you know, I mean, he already knew that they were going to steal this election. Now, you're going to hear people go on and on and on about, oh, there was no credible evidence. And listen, there is mountains of evidence that support the fact that they did steal this election. And they did a fair amount of that during the midterms, too. Look at what happened in the state of Arizona with Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. Same MO, same game plan, same playbook, whatever you want to call it. And and Katie Hobbs, who's the governor, the Democrat, I mean, you want to talk about corrupt. Oh, my God, she's in bed with the drug cartels. Uh, they've already proven that she's taking money from the drug cartels. But what, what really is the most frustrating part about it all, Drew, is that whenever anything is a, you think is about to happen, where they're going to bring these people down on charges or whatever – the courts just the courts blow it off because the courts are all controlled too. So, to me, it reminds me a lot of, and I don't like to keep bringing Nazis into it, but it reminds me a lot of some of the old court proceedings that I would watch on old video of German courts, the German court system during when the Nazis were in power. It's a kangaroo court. It's almost like a Russian court. You know, it's like, okay, well, we have all this evidence uh, against you, which, you know, 90% of it's fabricated. 
And then the defense comes up. Well, we have all this evidence to prove that he's innocent. Yeah, no, we're not even taking that into consideration. And that's basically that's basically where we're at right now. You know, I mean, they got Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's really uh, like the tip of the spear on a, a lot of these things that are going on against Biden. They've got tons of evidence. You know, they they've got they've got his laptop. They've got his cell phone, they've got, you know, Hunter Biden's and they got all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the videos, some of Hunter's videos that were released uh, in that whole report by Marco Polo. Have you ever heard of them, the investigative journalists? I've heard, I've read of the descriptions of what the videos contain and what they are, but I'm very careful not to actually have any of that on my device search history. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I viewed them all. There was a, a Telegram group, and they had posted all kinds of the videos on Hunter's stuff. And, I mean, if he was just an American individual that wasn't tied to, you know, the presidency of the United States, uh, I would say, yeah, that's not anything much different than what people do when they go to New York City or Vegas or Miami or anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but the but the point is is he's 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 not that he's not a regular citizen. No, and the the things that he's doing in these videos, he could be arrested for laws that his bra- that his father actually brought in. Yeah, so his father wrote the crime bill that Bill Clinton signed, that was all about getting crack off the streets. When it, when in fact the government was actually the ones dealing with the crack, in in conjunction with the organized crime, you know, of New York City. And Biden's up to if we catch you with one piece of crack the size of this quarter, you're, buddy, you're going to jail for 10 years or whatever, <laughs> whatever he said. And it's like, okay, your son is smoking crack on video. He's got an unlicensed firearm and he's hanging out with hookers. Now, I have no problem with the hookers part. I really don't. But he's smoking crack. I don't really have a problem with the firearm thing either because the laws in the United States are all different from state to state. We have no, uh, what do you want to call, uniform law for all states. I mean, there is uniform laws for all states for at some degree, but for the most part, each state gets to write their own gun laws. Like in my state, uh, which has very low crime, we don't have many gun laws here. So you can... You can carry concealed without a permit, and you can walk around with a shotgun on your shoulder if you want. I mean, I went to a big rally in front of the state house last fall just to cover it for the show, and it was dudes walking around with with uh, AR-15s, and is a damn thing anybody can do about it. God, that was the Australian gun laws of the nineteen sixties. People used but to on the other side. Have them on the cars. other side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, this is why we have low crime. Because if you break, okay, so if you break into somebody's house in the state of New Hampshire, if you break into somebody's house, you're a fair game. Do you have castle, yeah. you have got castle laws there or fortress laws or whatever they're called? Uh, well, I'm not really sure what they call it here. It's just you're not, you're a fair game if you break into somebody's house. Plain and simple. How wh- Whatever they call that law. Mess around and find out. Yeah, pretty much. Because that's something you do not do in this state. And not only that, we have the next, we call it the next of kin law too. 
where you can use uh that's what we that's what the general public calls it uh where if somebody is harming one of your you know relatives they're fair game also so yeah it's 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 pretty cool in new hampshire that's why our crime rate is so low now of course you know we have a massive opiate problem here again i feel that a lot of the government officials and higher up or say compromised police departments are allowing that to happen. You know, I think they're, you know, they're making money off of it. So we have that, of course, whenever you have drugs, there's a lot of money involved when there's a lot of money involved and there's crime involved. So when you get into the couple, couple of the bigger cities in the state, and we've only got a couple, uh, yeah, there's shootings, there's, you know, we've had an uptick in in uh, shootings, uh, in like gang type shootings. In, well, it's like it's a, it's like a, a self feeding system, isn't it, Ron? That if the government, so let's just say they are heavily involved in the drug trade within your state and say anywhere in the world, really, that if they have societal problems because of drugs, the government gets to answer it with government paid for programs in which they constantly have to ask for bigger budgets each year. So they're just yeah. feathering their own nest and, and making sure that they've got a job forever. I think that's the biggest yeah. issue we see with politicians. They they become career politicians where they step in where they're in their early 20s and they retire in their late 70s. I think we need yeah. serving terms for the average politician, like four-year there terms. There definitely needs to be term limits in Senate and Congress. Now, I don't want to say four years because you can't really get that much done in four years. I, I mean... The way that this government is set up when it was first set up was good, but they have manipulated the system and have got the system clocked so they know how to work the system. I mean, the United States is going, what, 250 years old now? And uh, which is nothing, right? It's in, it's in its infancy still. But the point is, you you get people like the Pelosi's, the Schumer's, uh, the Barbara Boxers, the uh, who's the other one? Diane Feinstein, who's like basically dead, right? Like they pulled her out of a coffin to have her go do a vote there a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, okay, these are career politicians slash career criminals. You know, I'll just give you an example. Nancy Pelosi, a lot of people don't know this, but Nancy Pelosi is actually a D'Alessandro, and her family is part of the Delaware Organized Crime Syndicate. And that's something that they keep quiet. I mean, it's common knowledge, but they like to keep it quiet, right? And so she's been in politics, and she's worth, I don't know, 100 and something million dollars. Now, how can you amass that kind of fortune, like like on a civil servant's salary? Even if you were extremely lucky with investments, which they compared her investment strategy above Warren Buffett's. <laughs> Well, they're legally allowed to inside a trade, aren't they? Warren Buffett is probably the best investor there ever was, right? But Nancy Pelosi's better than him? Come on. None none of this makes sense. (laughs) Well, Drew, did you know that it's actually legal for them to inside trade in Senate and Congress? Yeah, well, that's it. It's rules for there, not for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, when I was in federal lockup, one of my roommates was actually in there for insider trading. Yeah, you got these politicians 
that are inside trading. They're on these committees, right? Oh, I'm on a committee, just say, for semiconductors. And then, all of a sudden, their husband or their son or whoever is making trades in these companies that they having these closed door meetings with. That's just we, like that's just like a private investors club. Yeah, we've okay, got this. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you all this information now. Now you need to go out and buy the stock. Yeah, we've got the same issue here. We've got um, politicians who award contracts to companies for, say, uh, road duplications or infrastructure builds, and they're actually shareholders in the company that they award it to. It's the same sort of thing. Yeah, and that's pretty blatant, right? Yeah, very blatant. Yeah. Very, very blatant. Yeah, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with this whole Trump deal. Uh, you know, even if they know that they really can't get him on anything, as long as he's indicted and gets formally arrested, they can tie they can, that this judicial system in this country is so freaking slow. They can tie that up in the court. They just want to tie him up. That's all they want to do. You know, and I don't really see how Biden's going to run for president again, even though he says he's going to. I mean, look at how feeble he is now. You know, we know he's not running the show. So, and Kamala Harris, no way she could ever be president. I mean, she's just dumb. I mean, just call it what it is. She's an idiot. And, I mean, she destroyed California when she was, you know, partially running that. But, you know, it's it's just, it's really amazing to me to listen to the brainwashed leftists, socialists, just go along with it. Like it's a waste of your air, a waste of oxygen, even to try to have a civil discussion with them about it, because they can't. No, you definitely can't. I'm going to throw a scenario at you then, that we know that there's a big base in the Democrats that are actively disillusioned with Biden and the policies that he's made and are very unhappy. Let's say that for whatever reason, health reasons, Biden actually can't run. Michelle Obama throws her hat in the ring. Mm-hmm. You think that, that those masses of the socialist left and the Democrats would be up in arms and love that idea? Oh, I think they would suck that right up. Like, for sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, let's talk about all the controversy that surrounds Michelle Obama, right? Michael Obama. I, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's just, you know what, Drew? It's just such a mess. And I am very much into geopolitics. Like, we don't talk a lot about it on a show. Well, sometimes I do. I talk a lot about it when I go on other shows. But uh, but I could do geopolitics, like, for a long time, you know? And I mean, and dude, I'm just high school educated. And I've got this figured out. You but know, you have critical I, thinking skills. I, That's the difference. Well, when I think back, it's a good thing I never did go to college because I just would have been indoctrinated just like the, everybody else that goes to college. I, I mean, for what I do for a living, college degree wasn't necessary. And I was making more money, you know, four years out of high school at that time than any college graduate, any friend of mine that went to college. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was doing pretty well, you know, even back then. So it's like, uh, you know, it's just another thing, little plug for the trades. Like anybody, you kids out there, I don't care, girl, boy, whatever, go learn a trade. Because no matter what artificial intelligence brings in, whatever anybody tells you, any of that, they still need electricians, plumbers, people to work on your cars, stuff like that, people to make your air conditioner work. 
You know, and HVAC is a big deal now because, you know, we got, you know, climate change. We got, the, got this climate crisis. It's going to start getting hot. Well, everybody's going to want AC, even though we're not making enough power to supply it all. <laughs> you know? It's just everything's a huge catch-22 here. You know, and I mean, I'm 59. I'm going to be 60 years old in December. And I grew up, I grew up in a time when there was no such thing as cable television. You know, you got your TV from an antenna. There was no internet. You didn't have smartphones. You didn't even, like, we had dumb phones, not even push-button phones. They were rotary phones where you had to spin a dial, you know, to get the phone number. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but So I've seen it. I've seen it old technology, or let's just say no technology, up to the technology that they have today, right? So I've seen a lot of social things happen over the years. Like, I remember when I was a kid all during Vietnam, like the whole Vietnam War thing and all the division that was happening back then and how controversial even being in the Vietnam War was, right? I mean, these guys were just getting back from Korea. They'd only been back from Korea for, you know, 10 years, and now they're turning right around and they're going back into another war, you know? So so that was that was a big deal when I was a kid, like big time. So I remember two of the guys that worked for my dad both got drafted on the same day and they had to leave on the same day. They both came back home, though. I'll give them that. Uh, one of them's still alive to this day. Another one's passed away, drank himself to death. But yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, and, and I can see why people get so frustrated and I can see people are basically what we call losing their shit because they are just, they just can't believe what's happening. What really surprises me how there's such a lack of people willing to do anything about it. I mean, I feel as though that I'm doing my part because I talk about it every week. I post stuff about it every day. You know, I mean, if if that comes to our state, which I don't see is going to happen, it's, our state's controlled by Republicans, right, as far as our state stuff goes. But everybody we sent to Washington was Democrat. So figure that out. Right, just that right there makes zero sense. So I mean, our senators, our senators and our congressmen that are in Washington, every single one of them is a Democrat. Yet the whole state, our legislature, you know, House, Senate, we have a thing called the Executive Council. Executive Council and the governor, all Republicans. It's all controlled by Republicans. So is your state a lot like other Western states or provinces around the world where the majority of the state might be right-leaning, but it's the big capital city where the most of the population is that might be left-wing? Is that the issue that they're holding power? Yeah, that's pretty much how it is across the whole country. And that's, and that's why when people start talking, well, we should go, because the leftists are doing this, we should just go back to popular vote. And I got into this argument with a very good friend of mine who's a freaking brainwashed Biden lover. Oh, we should just go back, get ready to the electoral college and just do the uh, popular vote. And I'm like, why is that? So Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Detroit, Kansas City, uh, you know, cities in Texas like Austin, which is total leftists, uh, L.A., they're going to control the politics for the whole rest of the country. That's why we have the Electoral College here. Is yeah, it a perfect system? No, it's not a perfect system, but it's better than the popular vote. 
And this is the issue I'm seeing in pretty much every Western democracy, air quotes democracy, in the Western world is that we've got these pop- overpopulated city centres are voting very left wing that are deciding the fate of entire countries that are traditionally very conservative. It's almost akin to um, taxation without representation, but now it's culture without representation. If you're mm-hmm. only representing the people that live within the cities and dismissing the the lifestyle, the cultures, the views, the values of people that live beyond those borders, are you actually being represented as a rural or regional person? Not at all. No. No, 100%. No, I, I'm total, totally in agreement with you because I see it, Drew. I see. Now, you get the people that live at, like, my town I live in is a very red town, like, big time. And people in this town, I mean, you know, I'm not super religious, but we got, like, seven churches in this town. You know, when people are into their families and and people are involved with the school board, you know, we don't let our school board get away with too much here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Other than, you know, going up on their budget every year, but what doesn't, right? Uh, Which, which in turn makes our property tax go higher because that's how we fund the schools here is through property tax. Like 62% of our property tax bill goes directly to the education system here. Wow. It takes very little for the very little money goes to the municipality. Like very little, you know, because they have to break it up to the municipality. It goes, you know, your town, your uh, county, because we have counties here. And then the rest of it goes to the state. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a very small percentage. When you look at how all the money is spent in these school districts, of course, when you get into the cities, like, well, Concord is a city, it's the capital, but it's not that big. Uh, But then you got the city of Manchester, which is good size. Then you got the city of Portsmouth, which is down on the seacoast. And then you have the city of Nashua, which is basically Massachusetts. It's, uh, Nashua, and I want to say the city of Methuen, Mass, they're basically one big city with just the, it's cut in half by the border. You know, those are all like heavy duty leftists, you know. But you get away from that, and then you get, you, you know, you get the whole difference, like the way that the schools are run. People are into their families here, sporting events. If your kid's in sports, mine's not, but. If your kids are in sports, the whole family goes. I mean, it's it's a big deal, right? But, you know, I I just don't understand how, how this state votes for all these Democrats to go to Washington. But they do trick, they do, like we had, we had a retired army general that was running for a position against a very powerful senator. And uh, boy, didn't that George Soros money come in handy. Because they went up one side of him and down the other. They were doing ads with him saying things. And, of course, they edited it to make it sound like he was talking about something else. But the people are so brainwashed that they just sucked it up and believed it. Because he was doing very well in the polls until voting day. And I still say they mess with the voting machines here. There actually was was a big investigation with the voting machines in the state of New Hampshire. Yeah, it's... uh... It's it's there's nothing funny going on when you suddenly find half a million votes at, at the eleventh hour and suddenly add them to the system. Or or past the twelfth hour. Yeah, right? Even worse. Yeah, so politics is a full time sport in the state here because you know, we're the first in the nation, what they call first in the nation here, so we vote first. 
So we, uh, this state votes first. We vote, we have the first primary election. And then uh, the town of Dixville Notch, New Hampshire is, I want to say, the first town in the country to actually vote in the general elections for presidents and stuff. So it's a big deal here. Like everybody comes here. Trump's here all the time. You know, uh, Pence was just here. DeSantis was just here. I mean, they all come to New Hampshire because they know that, you know, how goes New Hampshire? How goes the rest of the country? That's the saying that they have here. But, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and I'm just really not looking forward to it because, you know, of course, it's in all of your media, your televisions, your radio, your online, everything you click on, there's going to be a political ad here. And we get a little reprieve for like, Six months, six to nine months after an election, and then we're right back in the mix again. Like it's this total revolving cycle all the time of all the political stuff in this state. It's crazy. It gets gets freaking exhausting is what it does. And, And I find myself wanting to kind of just... You know, like everybody says, oh, why do I even vote? I mean, why why waste the time to go to the polls and vote? It's not going to matter. You know, and I do understand that rationale. However, I I can't bring myself to not vote. Like, I think that's, as an American, that's your kind of like your civic duty. Like, you need to do that, you know, regardless of however the election is stolen or whatever. I mean, we don't play none of that stuff in this town. I tell you what, if they ran the rest of the state like they run this town, I think they'd be doing something. I really do. When when my family moved to this town, it was a thousand people here. I want to say we're just under six thousand right now. And I mean, we're a real town. We have a NASCAR racetrack right up the street. You know, we got lots of churches. We have a really good school system. We have good police force here. We have a two fire stations, like top notch fire stations here. You know, so we know where our money's going and we have awesome roads in our town. I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing at town meeting. People all kind of complaining on whose road's going to get fixed first, right? So I, I just, you know, I, but then you go to other towns and it's like, you know, they're not as wealthy. Like, I want to say the town that I in is the fourth wealthiest town, not city, but town in the state. There's a lot of people with money here, right? A lot of houses that pay a lot of property tax. I know I pay a lot of property tax. You know, between my house, my properties, and this property, dude, it's a it's a pretty good property tax bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, what you at one time we were paying more for our property tax than what the mortgage was back when we were still paying a mortgage. We don't have any mortgages anymore. But I can remember just thinking to myself, oh my God, that is insane what we pay. You know, just for one piece of property, it was like $1,800 a month just for the tax. It's crazy. But New Hampshire has high property tax. You know, everybody talks about, oh, New Hampshire's tax-free. Well, yeah, on paper. Well, we have no sales tax. We have no state income tax. You know, you just pay your federal portion. You don't pay a state. Like most of the states in the United States, you pay a state and a federal, right? But what people don't understand is that we have extremely high property tax and everything else is taxed. Alcohol is taxed heavily here because the state of New Hampshire controls the alcohol. 
Now, I'm not talking beer and wine. That's in a separate category. But all your hard liquor is controlled by the state. The state owns the stores. So the state is double dipping with the tax. They're making the money on the alcohol. They're making the money on the tax. But they figured out that all the states around us, like we have we have Vermont on one side, Maine on the other side, Massachusetts below us. North of us is an altogether different country. Like we border Quebec, Canada here. But they come down here to buy alcohol. So so the state figured out that all these other states, are, they're just, they're just going to come here and buy all their alcohol off of us. So we're going to make a fortune. This state makes no joke, legit number. Might as well round it up to a billion dollars a year just in alcohol sales. Through spirits alone. Just yep. spirits. <laughs> Not beer. And, well, I should say wine's kind of in there because the state liquor store sells wine too. But they do not sell beer. But just spirits and wine. Yeah, a billion dollars. And the profit on that is about, oh, just under $500 million. I want to say the last profit posted was $480-something million profit. Right? And then the state controls the lottery, which was supposed to go to education, which is another scam because only a small portion of that goes to education. So, I don't know. It's a really cool state, though. I've been here since I was a little kid. Well, you haven't left yet, so it must be pretty good. (laughs) Well, I was born in Kentucky. My family is from here. My mom was from here. Not this town, but the state. And, uh, and of course, we originated in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, we moved back to New Hampshire when I was like two or three. Been here ever since. I've been in this town since 1966. That's the, the age of my car. That's the year my Falcon was built and released. That is a really cool car, by the way. Thank you. It's my uh, my way dream back, car. Way back, way back when we first met, you sent me pictures of that. Yeah. Do you remember? A, yeah, it's in a million and one pieces at the moment. <laughs> well, get it, it put together. Up. I am. I'm stripping it apart and cutting rust out of it and putting in new panels, but... For the most part, it's a pretty good body. It's nice and straight. Just needs a little bit of TLC so it lasts another 60-odd years. Now, are you doing that yourself? Are you doing the work yourself? Uh, with my father, yeah. Yeah, Is your father a body man? Yeah, he is. He's a jack of all trades. He's pretty much done it oh, all. Oh, that's cool. He's currently yeah. working on an XY Falcon, which is kind of like your guy's version of a Ranchero. It's the, the flat-bedded mm-hmm. ute type of a deal. Yeah, actually, what did they have that in one of the Mad Max movies? Didn't they have one of those? They did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was the whole thing that got me into the Australian cars was those movies. Yeah, that was a very good um, publicity deal by Ford Australia to put the uh, Interceptor out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, we had some cars that were very similar to that, just a little bigger. You know, and then uh, what was Max's car? What did they call that thing? Uh, it should have been the Interceptor. That it was an XB Falcon, I believe. XB or XA. Okay, so it was a Falcon. Yeah, so it's our, uh, just our version of your Mustangs. Yeah, a little bit different than your Falcon. Yeah. So, so, so what Max's car was looks like a seventy-one, seventy-two Mustang here. The size of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, my Falcon is 
the last of the traditional Falcon builds, and then they went into what's called a, a Mustang bred, where they tried to get the, the emulate the look of the uh, the American Mustang muscle car, and they brought it into Australia. So four doors and two doors and stuff like that. Well, as a car guy, let me tell you more what that Falcon looks like. It looks like if you took a Torino GT in the United States and a Mustang, let them get it on, <laughs> their offspring would come out, and that's what Max's Falcon would look like. Yeah, very much so. I actually thought of that when I um watched Gran Torino with Clint Eastwood. His, that looks very uh, Falcon-esque in its appearance. Okay, now I'm talking the Torino generation bef- just before, before that. Just before that. Right. Okay, so that generation was called the Gran Torino. The generation before that was called the Torino GT. It was a little bit of a different. I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, that'd be good. I had two friends of mine in high school that both had Torino GTs. Yeah, and they were really cool cars. Uh, they actually they actually made a Torino Cobra. Because when you hear Cobra, it's cool that we're, you don't mind talking about cars, do you? I no, love absolutely. About That's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> so they made a Torino that was called, a. they made a Cobra version of a Torino. Now, when you hear Cobra, automatically your mind goes to a Mustang Cobra. Yeah, and, and Ford Falcon yeah. had the, the Cobra as well. Yeah, like the GT350 mm. Cobra, the GT500 KR Cobra. And then, of course, you had the AC Cobra, which was not a Mustang at all. It was those; those were hand-built cars, modeled after a British car called the AC Bristol, which Carroll Shelby bought a bunch of those, brought them to the United States, and morphed them into what we know as the AC Cobra. Because the early AC Cobras, when they first came out, I want to say was 65, might have even been 64, 65. The first AC Cobras that Carroll Shelby built were actually, the bodies were indistinguishable between that and an AC Bristol. They had what we call flat sides, and they had... uh, before they put the 289 in them, I thought some of the earlier versions had Ford made a V8 motor, which became the 289 302. The 302 is what the new people call 5.0s. Uh, there was one before that, and I'm and I want to say, I want to say it was a 260, which was a small V8, 260 cubic inch, right? But then, of course, when they made the big block AC Cobras, which were the 427 Cobras, that's when you they had the, we call it the wide body Cobra. And those are the ones that they make the kit cars of today. Like if you had an original AC Cobra 427, I don't even know if they can even put a value on it. It's in the millions. Now, listen, check this out. I met this dude. I used to fix his cars for him. He moved away. I have no idea where he is now. But he always told me that when he came home from Vietnam, he bought himself an AC Cobra at a Ford dealer. His was a 289 four-speed, right? They were all four-speeds. 
And I always thought, well, that's really cool. You got any pictures of it? And he goes, ah. He said, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to show you pictures. I'm going to stop up here with it one day. So that's when I figured out that this guy wasn't, you know, telling me a story. And it just so happened that I had a copy. Now, this is before the Internet. I had, well, before, you know, everybody was on the Internet. I had a book called the, called the Cobra Registry. And what it is, is uh, you're probably for, familiar with what a registry, registry for a car is. Yeah, like, um, like I have yeah. a book where they track all the owners. They track every single car by the VIN number. And they know where those cars are and who owns them, right? So it just it legitimizes whether or not these cars are real or if they're clones, right? Well, he was in that freaking book. And probably a month or so later, I'm just here working. I know I might have been painting a bike that day. I used to paint a lot of motorcycles. And in the yard rolls in this AC Cobra. And... It was original. The paint was faded, had a bunch of nicks and dings in it and stuff like that. <laughs> but it was this guy. His name was Mark. I'll give you his first name was Mark. And it was him. And I'm like, so you weren't you weren't feeding me a line. He goes, no, dude. I said, well, that's okay. I believe you because I looked you up in the registry and I found you in there. So I got to actually sit in and get my hands on a real original AC Cobra. And that car today, it's got to be in the millions of dollars. It's got to be a minimum. Last time I checked several years ago, it was a couple of million. Could you imagine that? Now, that's an investment. Like, my dad always invested in cars. He says the value of the car can fluctuate, he said, but it'll never go to zero. So he would buy certain cars. We would fix them up, and he would set on them until the price, you know, kind of come up. Because cars... Car prices are kind of fickle sometimes, depending on what they are. But he made out every time. You know, he didn't make out great on all of them, but on some of them, wow. Profit margin was crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that because my guy, my dad didn't believe in banks. He didn't believe in banks or investing or anything like that. Uh his saying was always never trust a man with a suit and tie with your money. Good way to live your life. That that was one of his old sayings. But yeah, so so uh, so that's why uh, you know that's why I've just always kind of been a car guy. I got a lot of money tied up in cars myself, which you know in this market is not that great for the types of cars that I own because the people that like those types of cars are all dying off now, sadly. But I don't know. I'll sit on them until I've got a really cool Jaguar. That's a really cool car. I got an '87 Jaguar. Uh, V12, it's called the XJSC, and the C stands for a Cabriolet. So the top comes off like T-tops. Okay, yeah. And th- they only made it two years. And then the back window, like, folds down like a convertible top. So it's kind of like a Porsche Targa. You know what a Porsche Targa is, right? Yeah, it's kind of like that. Oh. But it's a Jaguar. But it's a Jaguar. Okay. Yeah, so they really cool. Car. I, I kind of look at it as... Yeah, these cars, they were an art form in the way that they were designed, even down to the dashboard, the steering wheel, everything was just immaculate. You could see that people put passion and time into making these vehicles. And to keep them still on the road, I think that's doing something for the world in general. Every time you take the car out, go for a drive, it turns heads. Or it did when it wasn't in a million pieces. Um, but just by keeping these things around, God, you're doing so much. 
You may be keeping yeah, them for sure. investment, but geez, by having them around and not letting them go to rust or to just be trashed one day, that's amazing. It actually broke my heart when the cash for clunkers thing happened in the States and I saw some of the vehicles that were getting destroyed. Ugh. Yeah, you know, that was another big scam too, right? Yeah, because absolutely that, it was. That was all coincided with 9-11, after 9-11. And what that deal was, I'll tell you right now what it was. It wasn't anything for the climate. It's because all the car companies were getting ready to go bankrupt. So they came up with this plan, and it basically was a government-subsidized buyback. Right? People were taking, like, like the number one vehicle that was crushed during the Cash for Clunkers program was your Ford Expeditions and Ford Explorers, right? Which, again, would be the Mercury Mountaineer, too, which is the same car. It's what I drive. And uh, they were getting three or $4,000 for cars that six months before you were lucky to get 400 out of salvage yard. But the deal was you had to take that money and you had to put it towards buying another car, like a new car, like it had to be a brand new car. So, so they're selling like cars are just flying off the lots. Right. Yeah. That, that was a total scam. Total and scam. Oh, and and oh, here's how stupid they are. Drew, check this out. If you were a sell now, I didn't get in on that program because I am a salvage yard, but I just something I said this this program's a scam. Whoever gets involved with it's gonna end up costing them money in the long run, right? But this is what they made the salvage yards do. When you buy that, say, Ford Expedition, which typically back then would have had a a 5.0 or or a 5.4 motor in it, right? And uh you gotta take it into your salvage yard. You're allowed to have it for, I want to say, up to six months. So you could sell parts off of it, but only body parts and suspension parts. You couldn't sell the motor. And then you have to pour this silicate, like sand, into the oil, and you need to run it until the motor blows. Okay, so when that happens, you know, you got a rod goes out the side of a motor or whatever, right? Oil comes out, too. And the oil gets on the ground, and the oil's a mess. Even if they do it inside of a building, it's still a mess, right? And and I and I said to myself, okay, wouldn't it have been an easier solution to just and, and not okay? So here's the other thing: when you drain the oil with the silicate, that oil can no longer be recycled because drained oil is actually it's not even considered hazardous here anymore; it's a commodity. Because you can use it, you can sell it, but you can sell it to the oil uh, recyclers. They use it some somehow in asphalt roads. Uh, they also use it to uh, burn waste oil heaters for in cold climates up here, right? But when it had that silicate in it, it was junk. You couldn't do that anymore with it. Now, as a layperson, well, I'm not a layperson in the auto business, but I'm just saying. Okay, would have been a better solution to just drain the oil out of it so the oil's still usable. <laughs> Put the plug back in it, start it up and let it run and walk away. I mean it's gonna run for probably a half hour and, and it's gonna it's gonna lock up. And it's gonna lock up. It's not like because they wanted you to put the silicate in it and then hold it to the floor. Okay, that's when rods and parts and pieces start flying. 
if you drain the oil out of it and just let it idle, yeah, it might take a little while. You know, some like a Ford, like a Ford will run without oil, like for a long time. You know, just let it run for 20 minutes, a half hour. It, it will eventually lock up. So you don't have car parts flying everywhere. You're not destroying the oil. You can still sell the oil or, or you know, do something with the oil that's still usable. Oh, no, but the government, in their infinite wisdom, decided to go this other way. The th- thing that I found nuts about the whole the whole aspect of that buyback was it actually took self-sufficiency away from people. Like, if you had a market that had so many cards in it, uh, cars in it, like um, the Explorer, like you mentioned, you had a base to buy parts for. You could just fix your own car. You could repair what you could as you needed to. But now that people have they've thrown all these cash for clunkers around, they've got rid of them, they've sold out the older cars, which the average person can teach themselves to work on, they go out and buy brand new cars, you need so many diagnostic tools to analyze what the problems are in modern day cars, not to mention how full the engine bays are. You know, I try to replace a headlight on my current Fel- on my current Commodore, my Holden, and I need midget hands just to replace the headlight. It's that hard and fiddly. Like to work on the engines near impossible. I could do it, but it's God, it's going to take a while. Okay, so let me tell you what. We do safety inspections here, right? And part of the safety inspections, all your headlights are going to work. All your lights are going to work, right? Guy comes in the, uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Comes in with a GMC 2500 HD pickup for inspection. He's a regular. He comes every year. He brings all his cars here. Well, he comes in and he's got a cornering light out. Now, the corner light's part of the headlight, right? No joke. 45 minutes to change that headlight. Just the bulb. Just the bulb. Where before you could just reach in, pop it out, put a new one in there, plug it in, down the road. Right? I mean, I mean, it's it's insane. Uh, and and here's the thing, you know, when you talk about the amount of money you got to spend on diagnostics, like, like we have a fairly new scanner. It's made by a company called Autel. It's a very good scanner, very good scanner. It does ABS. Obviously, it does all your OBD stuff. It does uh, electronic brake, electronic emergency brake deactivation for when you're doing brakes. Uh, it does does TPMS, you know, tire pressure monitoring system. Does that. Does all these different systems, diagnoses them all. It's great. It's awesome. But it's not a top-line one, and I still paid like $1,200 for it, right? And that and that is only like just to like check cars out and find out why your check engine light is on or your ABS light is on, right? Because it won't pass inspection if the ABS light is on, right? Because it's got a braking issue, right? So... Now, there's a big push in the United States by the auto manufacturers where they are using the whole intellectual property and proprietary information, trade secrets, to stop having to give out the repair information on the newer vehicles. This is crazy. Every so single are, car I've owned, yeah. I've bought the manual for so I could do my own work. To not do that it just seems crazy. They want to make it so you are forced to take your vehicle back to the dealer. I think our local General Motors dealer now is up to $140 an hour, right, for labor. And then when you start getting into trucks, of course, the labor rate changes. You know, like we have a 2017 Super Duty Diesel Ford F-250. Uh, 
when that goes into the Ford dealer, because I won't touch that, that goes in for just its regular maintenance. They have a separate division at this dealership. It is for the Super Duty only. It's all these guys work on is Super Duties, right? So that truck's being marketed now because my wife came home with a new 2023 GMC Sierra AT4 with the Duramax 3.0 LZO diesel in it. Beautiful truck. Oh, my God, is it beautiful. And it has factory lift kit. It's got factory off-road tires. Off, it's AT4's off-road package. And uh, But I'll tell you what. I went for my first ride in it this last weekend. We got 28 miles to the gallon. I was like, okay, so my Ford only gets 14 miles to the gallon. <laughs> so, so I was – obviously – Obviously, this new GMC is not the truck that my Ford is. I mean, my Ford's a three-quarter ton. This GMC's a half ton. Uh, the Ford's a bigger truck. Uh, it's completely loaded. There isn't an option that it doesn't have. But 14 miles per gallon in 10 if you're towing. And that's with a diesel, right? That was it was we were told it was supposed to get 20-something miles a gallon. It just doesn't. But I tell you what, if you put a strap around a tree, you probably pull a tree right out of the ground with it. <laughs> so, so I so I haven't towed with this new GMC AT4 yet. Uh, we had to order a special hitch for it. <clears throat> Excuse me, Drew. Uh, yeah. Because it has that funky gate, that tailgate that comes down in two two ways. It's kind of a cool tailgate, actually. We just ordered the tailgating stereo system for the tailgate, so that's going to be kind of cool when that comes. <laughs> How very it's American! Like a, it's, like a, it's like a stereo system uh, with speakers in your tailgate. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cool because we we're into partying. Like if you came to my house, like I had an oil delivery the other day, and a guy came and goes, "Wow, you're pretty set up around here. Uh, do you guys like to party a lot?" I said, "Yeah, I don't like to go anywhere in a week. I like my friends to come here." He goes, well, this place is set up for it. He said, he says, I've seen outside beer gardens that aren't set up as good as this place. <laughs> so we figured with the truck, we'll be able to back it up to the party area, drop the tailgate, and rock and roll. Well, they, oh, you, have, you guys have tailgating over there, don't you, where you have like barbecues and oh, God, tailgates? <laughs> yeah, that's a, whole, that's a whole lifestyle here. Yeah, you tailgate even like if you're going to a school dance, you tailgate. Yeah, that's like that's like a weird thing here in the United States. Like it's major, and the, and then people like really take it to the extreme, right? Hey, Drew, we tailgate when we go out on the boat. <laughs> like what you do is you pull up to a sandbar, you drop your anchor, drop your front anchor, drop your rear anchor, and then and then uh, of course we we recently sold our boat because we're going to be doing something different, and uh, we had this barbecue grill. That used to click into this to this mounting thing, like on on the side rail of the boat, and we would be out in the lake having a cookout, and everybody and everybody would be out walking around because you're on a sandbar, right? Like you're literally like water up to your chest, right? And people are walking around, and the dogs would be out swimming because our dog used to go love to go swimming, and we'd be drinking beers and drinking you know my canned margaritas, and we'd have barbecue going, had music cranking. Yeah, it's a really cool lifestyle. 
It's a, I thought it's Aussies had the barbecue market, market, but you guys do it at a whole different level. That's the next level, all right? Dude, I got four different barbecue machines. Do you have a Weber? I do have a Weber. Now, what do you think I of have, those? Well, okay, so I have a Web, Weber kettle. So the kettle is the old school, like mine's retro. It looks like it's from the 60s. Uh, personal opinion. Nothing beats charcoal. Right? Plain and simple. Nothing beats charcoal. Now, I have a gas grill for doing quick what we call quick cooks. You know, it's a nice one. It's a, I think it's a Cuisinart. And, uh, and it works great. It's got a side burner. You want to boil your lobsters or do your steamers. You know what a steamer is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, little little cherry stones. We yeah, call yeah, them cherry yeah. stones. We call them steamers. Dude, I can eat five pounds of steamers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're in New England, so oddly enough, there's, there's quite a few people in New England that don't like seafood. I don't quite understand their rationale. But, uh, but I'm a big shellfish guy. Uh, scallops, steamers. Occasional lobster. Personally, I think lobster's overblown. It's not that great. Uh, you know, haddock, haddock, cod, salmon, you know, all that stuff. So we'll always uh, like we'll like like at least once a year we'll put on what we call a big a lobster bake. And everybody chips in, we buy a bunch of lobsters. You know, because you can buy them right off the truck. Like here. Like there's trucks that park in parking lots that sell lobsters and steamers. You just go to the truck, you don't go to a store. Tank up on and all that. We have this special special cookers for them. We'll do the steamers on the grill. Yeah, it's really cool. But I also have a Traeger pellet grill, uh, which really works good for doing long, long smokes. Like if you're doing a brisket or if you're doing ribs. Ribs don't really take that long. But if you're doing pulled pork and stuff like that. You know, that's why I want to do a cooking show to add to my conspiracy show. That'd actually be really good. You should collaborate with uh, Ryan Dean on that one. No, no. So Ryan and I started something a long time ago. So Ryan and Brandon had a show called Conspiracy Kitchen. And they did maybe three or four episodes and Ryan dropped it. So one day, about a year or so ago, me and Ryan are talking. I go, are you guys, and this was right right when Brandon left the show. And I said, uh, what are you going to do with Conspiracy Kitchen? He goes, nothing, dude, take it. <laughs> so so I'm like okay cool so uh, so that was something I kind of always had in my mind that I wanted to do conspiracy to cookout yeah or, or something like that because I cook like I cook all the time like my grandfather was a chef he owned restaurants that's what he did for a living when he would come out of the service so it's just in my blood to cook right but I like to cook outside I've got a blackstone flat top where I cook big breakfasts I got a pit boss. Uh, It's kind of like a big oven when you could do, it's got like five racks in it. So you could do some serious amount of ribs in there or, or small chickens or even Cornish game hens. I like Cornish game hens Uh, because you can, you know, fit a bunch of them in there. And I got my Traeger pellet grill, which works really good. That one's all Wi-Fi. I can run it from my, sit in my living room and run it from my phone, which is kind of cool. Uh, then I have my regular gas grill, but the Weber kettle, that old timer, I mean, just, yeah, it's a pain in the ass to get charcoal to go, right? But I've got it down to a science. I don't buy like, 
I don't typically use like Kingsford, like Quick Light or whatever. I mean, I do have some just to get it rocking and rolling. I like to use lump charcoal. And you just let it go till it gets up to temperature. Man, nothing better than a steak or a burger on charcoal. Definitely adds some flavor, doesn't it? Well, don't you guys have a big barbecue culture there? Oh, massive. Absolutely massive. We don't have uh, so much the tailgating or anything like that, but it's generally pretty good weather most of the year. So most of our dinners and things are done on a barbecue. Okay, so you're in the Southern Hemisphere, so you're going into winter there, right? Yes, we are. So so tell me how cold, what's, what's the weather like in the winter? And whereabouts in Australia are you? I'm in Victoria, which is the southernmost state of the mainland. So I'm one of the very few states that actually gets snow in our winters. Okay, so you're in Victoria, so you're in the southeast. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah so well, you're not too far from the ice wall there, right? No, hop, skip, and a jump away. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so when you say cold, what's cold? Uh, it can get down to, if you're in the Alpine regions, it can get down to below freezing. Uh, but for the most part where I live, it's a temperate climate. Winter, you're looking at low as six degrees on average Celsius. Okay. okay so six Celsius, zero Celsius equals 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So six degrees. So you're talking mid forties. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, see, that would be balmy here in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean we, we can get, you know, 10, 15 below, 20 yeah. below. That's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, but it is what it is. You know, but- we have such short shamas here. This is why this is why people in New Hampshire, New Hampshire is one of the biggest drinking states in the country. And, and the reason for that is, is because we're cooped up for seven months out of the year. <laughs> Don't blame you. That's Nothing what I'd is- be doing. <laughs> The weather is absolutely atrocious for seven months. And you get five months, which out of that five, only three are hot. So, I mean, it's June right now, and it was probably struggled to get out of the 50s today. Yeah, it's crazy. So we get, and, the, polar, it, we get the polar opposites where we get our summer and the, and the roads melt and you can't actively go outside without burning your feet and you're pretty much stuck inside. Well, we have days like that. We do. We have days when it's, you know, mid-90s with, say, 80% humidity, 90% humidity. Right. But to me, that's just an outside drinking pool day. That's what that is. Yeah. Our, our heat waves, you can get anywhere from 40 degrees to 45 degrees over like a week or two weeks straight. Like a heat wave like that. That's that's where it's too hot to be outside for me. Not with my complexion anyway. Yeah, so so uh, so let's talk a little bit about the fires. We got we, like the whole North American continent's on fire right yeah, now. Yeah, Canada's literally on fire. <laughs> That's that yeah. bad. <laughs> and uh, you know, conspiracy theories aside, I mean it's a problem. But I remember a couple years ago, Australia having some pretty serious fires, and a lot of uh, a lot of firefighters from the United States flew down there to help you guys out. Yeah, nearly our entire eastern seaboard um, was on fire at one point. Which is, it's really interesting because we're seeing that the, they're push, pushing out that image of the orange skyline, right? There's that much smoke in the sky. It's hazing out the sun and making everything look orange. And they're comparing it to that Blade Runner movie. But, you know, we get that in Australia in our fire seasons. You get enough smoke close enough to the sun, it's going to do that. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of videos of, and people are pointing out saying it's a conspiracy that it was deliberately lit because there's a helicopter flying around dropping um 
like yeah, essentially petrol onto the ground. That's that's actually a, and I'll have to play devil's advocate on it. It's suspect, but it's also a, a general technique for backburning in bushfires. Yeah. You get yeah, ahead 100%. of it, you burn the burn a brush line out, and you stop the fire from moving forward. At very yeah. least, if it's not a deliberately lit fire, it's probably been a, an event where forest management have tried to burn some fuel reduction out, and it's got away on them. Well, let me give you my take on that. When I first saw that video, and of course, you know, that video, people are just running rampant with mm-hmm. it. I said to myself, okay, this is not a conspiracy here. Okay. So very common practice, what they're doing with that helicopter, just as you said. And that's exactly what we call it. They're just backburning, right? They're going to deliberately set a fire to burn down that section so that the, when the big fire gets there, it's got nothing to burn. Yeah, no fuel. That essentially may not stop the fire, but it's going to slow it down, right? Make it a little bit more manageable. If the government was flying around with helicopters, lighting shit on fire on purpose, they would not be taking photos of it. Definitely not. Now, now, now I'm just talking about that video. It was also debunked by numerous other conspiracy theorists, not news agencies, regular guys like you and me that talk about this stuff, right? They're like, no, come on, this is not even, that's not even close. However, I would like to know if the satellite photos that we saw with all the fires starting at the same time are legit or not, because somebody's got some explaining to do as far as that's concerned. Now, fires typically start during lightning storms, forest fires, you know, if this started naturally. Now, I'm not a fireman. I'm, I never went to fire science or anything, just logically thinking. So when you see photos, again, and this is now, and I had Ghost on the other night. I don't know if you listened to that episode yet. But like he likes to call them saddle because he doesn't believe that satellites exist. I kind of disagree with him respectfully. But they have these satellite images of just in this one image, probably 10 fires starting simultaneously. Drew, that is suspect. That is suspect. It actually reminds me of the fires you alluded to with Australia because the fire path that it burnt throughout eastern Australia is in the exact place that the government wants to build a high-speed railway through, almost like it was a directed energy weapon the whole way through. I remember that very well because I did a lot of research on that at that time. And I was saying, well, isn't that convenient? Very convenient. Yeah, you know, so uh, do I think that some rogue elements of the elite, well, the elites all rogue, let's say the, you know, elements of the government intentionally set these fires to further the climate agenda? Definitely wouldn't put it past them, right? Even Extinction Rebellion or one of these um, groups could have gone and done it themselves. Okay, most of the forest fires that are started in the United States are started by firefighters. Okay, they always blame it on a campfire. <laughs> you know, Smokey the Bear, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's an icon. Who can yeah. prevent forest fires? You. Uh, only you can prevent <laughs> forest fires. Okay, well, what about the firemen that are lighting the freaking things? <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> because you know it, that's it's statistically proven that that's true. 
the fires the fires in Canada and Quebec, usually the fires they have in Canada are out in the West, like Alberta, British Columbia, which they have their fires out there for sure right now. But fires in Quebec doesn't happen that often. And then you got fires in Nova Scotia. And Nova Scotia is one of the provinces uh, that they call the Maritimes here, uh, which is Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, which is part of Nova Scotia, uh, Cape Breton, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, Labrador. Those are all like the Maritimes. And they got fires in Nova Scotia right now, you know, which I've never heard of. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but not like in the news, like not newsworthy. Yeah. Fires in Nova Scotia. Now, what happened is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term, it's very popular here, obviously, when we get a storm called the Nor'easter. No, I've not heard of that one. Not, okay, not so in the, winter, in the winter time, we get these storms called Nor'easters. And all that means is that, the, is that the air is coming down in a northeast, from the northeast, comes over New England, encompasses New York, New Jersey, you know what I mean? Yeah, yep. And what it is, is we call it a winter hurricane because that's basically what it is. It's a storm system with an eye that turns counterclockwise, just like a hurricane, right? Brings in massive amounts of snow, like massive. Because it feeds off the ocean. It gets all that moisture out of the ocean, right? Well, we get those storms in the summertime, too. They just end up being massive rainstorms. Well, this, the smoke that's coming down into New England and into New York is from a nor'easter. We had a northeast weather pattern. So what that does, did was it went over Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and Quebec. And that's where all the fires are. And, and, and it, just, it just put it right on top of us. Okay? And then consequently, the next day, of course, that weather system continues to move south. That's when it went over New York City, Washington, D.C., now, I can tell you for a fact that we never had those red skies here. The only thing that was red was the sun. Through the haze, you could visibly see the sun. It was bright red, right? I mean, in, in the daytime, like during the day. We never had any of that red, that red, like, mist or whatever they're showing in New York City. Even New York now, Patriot was showing videos of there not actually being that red mist. It's just the media still putting it out. Okay, so yes, yeah, so I saw those. And and I got to say, it's probably pretty close. Although it did get really nasty in New York City. They called off the they called off all the baseball games because the smoke was so bad. But what I think happened was you know, these are New York City's the biggest city in the United States. Right? And, and it just is. You know, it's bigger than LA. And uh so I think when you take all the emissions that are being emitted from New York City, combining them with the smoke and haze coming from these wildfires, I could see where they would possibly have a pretty serious smoke problem. Yeah, you would. It'd you know almost I mean? form like a blanket, and then the rest of the smog and things from the city would fill it up as well. And it has no way to escape. Mm -hmm. Because it's get, it keeps that northeast weather pattern just keeps pounding right in there, right? But, I mean, it only did that here in New Hampshire for, like, three days. I mean, we're still getting the remnants of it now. I mean, we haven't seen the sun other than a few peaks here and there. 
We haven't seen the sun for, uh, well, today's Friday, so it all started last Friday. Last Thursday, Friday, was 90 degrees. It was absolutely beautiful because I like hot weather. I got into my pool. I told my wife, I said, I'm going in the pool because it's going to be the last chance for the next two weeks for me to get into the pool because the weather's going to be bad. And it felt good. And then probably 45 minutes later, it started thundering, lightning, pouring rain. So obviously, I got out of the pool, right? So we went from 90 degrees on Friday afternoon. Of course, today's Friday, so that was a week ago. And by Saturday morning, it was 50 degrees. The temperature dropped 40-something degrees overnight. And then it's been this hazy cloudy like it like it's threatening to rain but it's not raining like it looks like it could downpour at any time and you might get a little miss like right now i'm looking out my upstairs window here and it's it's lightly raining like just enough to make the pavement wet right but we're not getting any massive rain to me that's a little odd because when we have i mean like dark dark like almost black clouds like, that's a storm coming in. And we've had that for several days now with no rain. That's just, to me, that's just a little weird. But I can say that we never, we did not experience any of this orange stuff. So so what's the other conspiracy theory tied into the orange? Well, before you jump into that, I've got to mention, there's that video that we were talking about, but there's also a map going around at the moment, a digital map of the world and where all the forest fires are. It was recently shared this morning on a Telegram group and people are blowing up over it, just like the helicopter video. But look at all these fires. It's definitely the government just, or the world elite setting all these fires to make the air unbreathable, make things terrible. I looked where the fires were located in my own area and you look at it and it looks like the state's on fire. There's no fires here. I jump okay. onto my local country fire authority app. There's no active fires. So either these are maps of fires that have been around in the past 12 months or it's a completely fake thing that's going around. Like, I, I don't get it. People are falling it for hook, line, and sink. I think that's the issue in our community, that something big comes out, and people jump and latch onto it really quickly without actually doing the due diligence and looking into it. Yeah, and you're 100% correct, because I'll give you an example. What you're talking about is a NASA-generated map from NASA. Okay. I've seen it. They showed several wildfires in my state. There's no fires here, Drew. None. As a matter of fact, every town has this big thing at the fire stations, and it tells you what the uh, fire risk is for the day. And we've been, like, down on the low side now for, like, a week and a half. There's no fires in this state. None. (laughs) Yet, on that NASA map, it shows, like, two or three. And and where they're showing the fires is on the seacoast. Dude, there's no fires on the seacoast. Like none. They protect the seacoast. That's where all the money people live. So the money people live on the seacoast and they live up here, up in uh, up on the lake, Winnipesaukee. Yeah, you know, the lakes region. That's where all the money people are. Like there's no fires up there either. Like are they picking up like like campfires? So this map, I think, is exactly what you're saying. It's a map showing possibly where there were fires in the last year. But to your point, 
people, and I won't call it the community, just people in general, you know, Instagram people, Facebook people, whatever, Twitter, they will take any story, they don't vet the story, they don't look into it, they just, oh my God, let me do a TikTok video. Oh, I got 10,000 views. The world's on fire. Yeah, a lot of Canada's on fire. But if you knew how big Canada was, like you would say, oh, yeah, that's that's minimal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Canada's <laughs> huge. I spent most of my childhood in Canada. It is huge. Like when you go north into Quebec, like you go to uh, Montreal. Montreal is close to the United States. But if you go up further to Quebec City and you go past that, like nobody goes past that. Like you to go north of Quebec City, I mean, dude, you're going on an adventure because there's nothing up there. Everything's on your border. And all the way from Quebec City <laughs> up to the Hudson Bay, that's like that's like trapper land still, right? That's all logging company land. There's nothing up there. There's still French fur trappers out there. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, there is. <laughs> that, that's still that's still a thing. That's still a thing. Of course, you know Quebec is all French. They're all French people. So uh, they call them the Quebecois. That's their, that's what we call them. And uh, no, that's not a derogatory term. But uh, but yeah. So so you know, I just really wish that when people and I mean I've been guilty of it before too. So you know, I'm not saying that I'm innocent party here. But I've learned over the years. When you see something, don't freak out. Just look into it. You know. And that just brings me to something that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit tonight. Uh, you know, I'm a big UFO guy, big aliens guy. Oh, I was big... hoping you'd bring this up. I've got it on my notes too. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, a couple of different things. One whistleblower comes out and says, we have alien spacecraft and we have bodies. Now, Watch that interview. Elizabeth Vargas did it, of course, on News Nation, which could be, you know, partially tabloid, right? But I mean, they got reputable people on there. Elizabeth Vargas is pretty reputable. She was on, she was on national, like ABC News, like for years. And uh, Ashley Banfield, you know, all those types that are on News Nation, right? So I mean, it's there's a little legitimacy tied to that. So she breaks this story about this whistleblower, right? And I'm listening to him, and I'm and I'm like knowing what I know and all that I've researched about UFOs and extraterrestrials and all this stuff over the years, like since I was a little kid. I'm like, yeah, you're not telling us anything that we didn't already suspect to begin with, right? Like this is not new news, but it's kind of it, it kind of verifies a little bit of it if if he's legit, right? So then I found a video, a YouTube video of one of those dudes that analyzes people's interrogations on whether they're lying or not. His conclusion was, if he's lying, he's a good liar. You know what I'm saying? He's basically saying, it's pretty legit. So so to me, that's like, that's interesting because they've been promising us UFO disclosure now. Like, wasn't it when Trump was president? I want to say this was a couple of years ago, three years ago now. Time goes by so fast. It's crazy. Well, even the plan Hillary was going to be the disclosure president, wasn't she? 
She was. So during the Trump era, there was a certain deadline by June 1st. Trump said, you will declassify all the UFO information you have, and we're going to give it to the public. No more FOIA requests or any of that. He's just going to give it to the people, let them decipher it, let them figure it out, let them get over it, let them get used to it. Well, that came and went because the paperwork and the files that they that they you know declassified was seventy percent redacted, so we couldn't read them anyway. So essentially, you're giving us nothing, like nothing. So then you get to Tic Tac videos. You know, of this tic tac that's going in and out of the ocean off the off the bow of some naval vessel, US naval vessel. Off the coast of California, which is a hotbed for UFO technology uh uh you know encounters. You know, the whole theory that the Catalina Island underneath that is a underground UFO base or a USO, under unidentified submerged object, right? Because now we're hearing a lot of stories how these craft will fly right into the ocean like defy defy the fact that hitting hitting water at any speed is like hitting concrete you know what i mean they're Just flying in and bloop, out of water, straight through. yeah yeah right through so so i find that stuff to be pretty legitimate you know based on where the information's coming from and then you have the big thing with bob lazar right in the last couple of years who worked at area 51 of course you got you're always going to have people on the other side that are not going to want this information to come out. So it's their job to discredit them, right? This is what we're seeing with the whole Trump thing, right? From the Russia collusion right up forward to what's going on today, right? So it's the same idea. It's just like when you do a post on Twitter and you get attacked by all these people with like like no followers and shit like that. You know what I mean? So they're all coming out against him. And uh, then you got George Knapp, very reputable reporter, works out of Las Vegas. Did a lot of interviews with Bob Lazar. I think Bob Lazar is a pretty legit dude, in my personal opinion, right? I know George Knapp's legit. I've been listening to George Knapp for years. He fills in on Coast to Coast AM, right? Which Coast to Coast AM used to be Art Bell, and that was after the show In Search Of got me sucked in, then Art Bell got me sucked in even further, and then Coast to Coast AM was like the real, the one that really sucked me in, right? As far as <laughs> learning about conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So, you know, going on the information we hear about Bob Lazar, uh, George Knapp, et cetera, we just mentioned. Then you, didn't you hear this whistleblower? And he's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of like telling the truth. So then what just came out, was it yesterday or today? Was it yesterday where they had this UFO crash in Las Vegas? Yes. Are you familiar with that story? Yeah, Yeah. I've seen this. And there was uh, the family saw aliens in their backyard and they only had one phone and they used that to call the police so they couldn't actively take photos of the the beings. But there's a lot happening all at once. And like you said, there's, there's reputable reporters who have been covering this stuff for years now. It's what they're known for. But then you have these blowing people like Ross Coulthard, which in Australia for the longest time, he was a very reputable reporter until it came out that he reported on quite a few stories that ended up being completely false and he made them up. So I'm very cautious around Ross Coulthard. 
Okay, but, so we so we talked about a few of those individuals in the United States the other night. And I'm and I don't even know what show I, I was on somebody else's show. Maybe we were talking about that. Okay, so this Lou Elizondo guy comes across as being legit, but very suspect at the same time, right? Work for top level head of top level clearance mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, right? Kind of suspect. Then you have oh I know who I was talking to Andy at Deep Share. We were we were talking about it. Then you have this Corey Good guy that was selling the twenty and back program. How he was in a super, uh, you know, a soldier in the secret space program on Mars for twenty years. Comes out and admits that he was you know mm-hmm. full of crap. You know, then you got his partner David Wilcock, who we call David Halfcock on the show. <laughs> Uh, who has made my hats off to him as far as being an entrepreneur because he's made a ton of money off of this stuff. Uh, you know, him him and Corey used to do this show on Gaia TV, right? Uh, but him to come out and admit that he's actually a fraud. But like I told those guys too, like maybe is he being forced to say that he's a fraud because maybe he's not a fraud, but people are saying too many people are believing you. So now you need to tell them all you're a fraud because we can't have anybody knowing about. I mean, that's a double-edged sword right there, right? So then you got then you got the other camp, the people that are either agree with uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, who, who or the people that say he's a total fraud. I am more apt to believe at least seventy five percent of what comes out of that guy's mouth. Yeah, it's the issue of I think whatever psyops exist or whatever misinformation machines are in works there's an element of truth to it it could be 95 percent truth five percent bullshit it doesn't matter what the percentage is as long as they're throwing out misinformation and and crap amongst the everything else putting a turd in the punch punch bowl so to speak it's going to have the effect they need just enough to discredit them right yes yeah just enough to discredit them like we gave you 95% legit information, 5% BS. So when you attack us, you're going to attack the 5% that's BS, which to a lot of people nullifies the 95% that's legit, right? Dr. Stephen Greer falls into that, in my opinion. I happen to think he's a pretty legit guy, right? And then and then you start talking about people like Bob Bigelow, Bigelow Aerospace, who was one of the former owners of Skinwalker Ranch, which is a whole other rabbit hole. Like, because they got this whole series on Skinwalker Ranch, but it's like, what are you really showing us? Like, like we can sit and listen to stories and encounters at Skinwalker Ranch, and I don't think there's any denying that some strange things happened there inside the city. You know, right, right, right in the city, something crashed. Oh, sorry, you just froze. <laughs> just, I just lost oh, all that. Yeah, I just got. Uh, you just said um, there's something about it. Um, there's something to it, and what there is to it, and you started to elaborate. And you froze. Are we talking about the Las Vegas crash? Yes. Okay. Did I? Did you get to the? Did you hear the part where I said that there's actual police officers' body cam footage of the crash? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't catch that part. You only okay, just started. Well, there is. It, there is video. Honest police officer, Las Vegas police officer's body cam that shows something coming through the sky and you can hear it crash. And then, now I don't know if this is the same officer that went to these people's house that called 911. 
But this kid called 911 and said, listen, they're like eight to 10 feet tall. They got big eyes. And, but he said they have a big mouth, which is kind of weird for any type of extra extraterrestrial uh, that we're familiar with. You know what I mean? So he's basically describing them as tall grays, right? Because you have the little grays, you have the tall grays, right? But something crashed there. Now, I'm watching these videos, and I'm like, you know, this is just on the news in the last couple of days. That happened back on April 30th. Why did it take a month and a week for that to come on the news? It's, it's almost as if they wanted to drop it at the same time, right? Where is the footage of them going to the going to the crash scene what crashed something definitely came out of the sky and crashed you could hear it yeah and okay. this is this is the 95% truth and 5% bullshit like what's the bullshit yeah. factor of that right. is it what happened to these two let's just call them aliens what what happened to these two aliens that these spanish kids they sounded mexican said that they saw in their backyard where'd they go like, where are they? So did they sit on this for a month or so? Because that was body cam footage from a police officer. Like, that should be, like, available directly, like, next day. As I, Drew, I just assumed that this just happened, like, the beginning of the week or something. <laughs> so did I. Right? I thought it happened directly after. Yeah, so then I'm looking. Then I'm looking because I'm seeing this other footage, and it's from the beginning of May. And I'm like, okay, this isn't making sense. So then I did a search and I discovered it was April 30th that 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 actually happened. Okay. Don't you find it very suspect that that happens to come out the same day that they discovered that and can prove that Biden took a $5 million bribery payoff. And then all of a sudden news comes out that they're indicting Trump. That's a heck of a distraction. You think? I mean, now they're all releasing. They just released this whistleblower test, this whistleblower talkings, all of us making the rounds everywhere. And then we get this video and this information, the story out of Las Vegas that happened April 30th, over a month ago. And it's like all coming at the same time. Very suspect. Now, I want to pick your brain on this and what your take on it is. Like we said, there's there's an element of truth to it and there's a level of disinformation which um, poisons the the whale, so to speak, that I have a history. I was in the Royal Australian Air Force, so I know the capabilities of what my country has that I saw personally in my experience. I have a belief that a lot of these vehicles are real. They could be crashing. But my questions are around who's actually operating them. I, for the longest time, was probably like you, Ron. I, I listened to Coast to Coast. I watched hours upon hours of YouTube videos. I read books like The Day After Roswell. I was in the camp of aliens. I believed aliens were real. That's changed in the past three years for me. I don't think that in the with the current evidence I'm seeing that these are what we would consider legitimate aliens. Either there's the potential that these are a lot of black government programs to try and usher in a, a blue beam scenario or another even more wild card are that these are entities, but where they're not aliens, they could be demonic in nature if they exist. Okay. My personal opinion on all of that, keep in mind, I'm probably twice your age and I've been into this my whole life. 
When I was young, I was a firm believer that they were flying in from other star systems. Like 100%. There was no other option. They're not from here. They're they're coming from somewhere else. Then I started rationalizing that, you know, as I started to learn a little bit about time travel and the possibility of time travel, uh, space portals, all this stuff, could be us from the future coming back to warn us that we're messing up. Because we always hear about how the extraterrestrials, they don't like nuclear weapons, right? So, so then that element gets thrown into the, the mixing bowl, right? So I'm thinking about that. Then after the whole Phoenix light thing with these triangular black spacecraft, similar to what was reported at that air base in the UK, was it called Randlesham? Randlesham Forest. Okay, that's the one. Triangular aircraft okay my personal opinion is the triangular stuff is ours i'd agree yes and we and we've had that since probably the 60s right uh i believe that we do have a secret space program like like i'm logical enough to say i would have to agree with that I think the whole thing with NASA is a big fugazi where, yeah, we've got these space shuttles. We've got this. We could do this. We could do that. What is the actual extent of our technology and our ability to do things like the space station? I don't think pulling off a space space station is all that hard, to be honest. I really don't. Having the space shuttle, not that hard, right? It's just it's just a it's just a jet that's able to go outside our atmosphere. That's all that is. That's all the space shuttle is. It's nothing more than that. And it's not very big either, if you've ever seen one in person. Uh, so I do think that the government is trying to get us used to the idea that there are extraterrestrials or aliens. They want us to believe that they're coming from off planet to hide the fact that most of the stuff that we're seeing in the sky is actual government equipment being used, right? Now, I'm a pretty firm believer that all the millions of dollars that go to NASA, like that all doesn't go to the space shuttle program or the to space station. And where does this go, right? So money's being spent somewhere in what we call black budgets, right? Now, again, years progress by, and I start thinking, ice wall, what's beyond the ice wall? I started looking into Admiral Byrd, like, big time. He starts talking about Vast continents beyond Antarctica or beyond the poles, I want to say is what he said. And I'm like, okay. Who's to say that some of what we deem UFOs or, you know, spaceships, aliens or whatever, aren't just 
on these continents that Admiral Byrd talks about, who mysteriously died not too long after that. Like, who's to say? Now, now this even works without going flat Earth, right? Who's to say that the Earth isn't a lot bigger than what we're being told, number one? Number two, who's to say that there isn't other realms past where we're allowed to go or allowed to see? And who's to say that they're not way more advanced than we are? Who's to say that we might be imprisoned? Let's just call it that. We're imprisoned in this little realm that we live in. And outside of that realm could be, you know, Lemuria, Atlantis, whatever. Right? I mean, who knows? Take the book, The Iron Republic, just as an example. Right? Take the stories that you hear about, what is it, the Olufsens, when they, you know, were fishing up in the North Sea and go through this ice wall, and now they're in something what I would describe as Hyperborea, right? You know, you take all these accounts, like these people really had no incentive to lie about this. But there wasn't going to be a monetary a monetary end to this, like where they were going to make millions of dollars by making this story up, right? As a matter of fact, they put that guy in the nut house. All right, come here, little Johnny or little Joseph, whatever your name is. We're going to put you in the nut house and we're going to let you kind of sleep that off. We don't want you talking about that, right? So I think this whole alien puzzle is a combination of multiple things. I think some of it is off-planet. I think some of it is from places on our planet that we don't have access to, a.k.a. other side of some ice wall. I think some of it is ours, our own technology. I am a firm believer that the United States has technology that would just blow the rest of the world, like, just right out of the water. You know, just like just like this theory, I was having this discussion with some people. And this and this is relevant, okay? I promise. Everybody's all up in arms about all these arms and everything this stuff we're sending to Ukraine, right? And I admit, I'm not into giving, you know, other countries to fight wars, you know, $150 billion or whatever, when we have financial problems in our own country. Which, do we really have a financial problem? Because I don't really think we do. I think it's all orchestrated, right? Uh, I, I think this country has plenty of money. I think we've always had plenty of money. And I think that we have uh, hard assets to back up our currency, even if it is in the trillions of dollars. But for political reasons, we know that, you know, the whole monetary system is just a mess, right? And they, And they make it that way. I mean, I think it's, I think it's designed to be that way. But I think we have stuff that money that is spent on things that we have. So in order for the the defense or the Pentagon to get their military budget, which is 10 times higher than the next country down, we need to offload a bunch of stuff that we're not using anymore or that's antiquated. So what we're going to do, we're going to give that to Ukraine in the form of aid, assign a dollar value to it, 
so we so we can say well you know we need we need that budget money because you know we just gave you know 50 billion dollars worth of m1 tanks to ukraine which they're basically give and everybody's all up in arms we're giving them brand new tanks why don't we give them old ones okay because our old ones have technology that we don't want them to have and it's not that we don't want ukraine to have we don't want that technology to fall into the hands of the russians not to mention all the tech you guys are giving them. You're stripping down of all the valuable tech anyway. Exactly. So what I'm saying is they assign a dollar a dollar value on all this. Javelins, Patriot Missile System. Okay, the Patriot Missile System works great, but it's antiquated. Right? Patriot Missile System has been around for like 35 years. I know. They make it right down here, 50 miles from here is where they make that. Now, that's another thing with New England's big defense contractor area. It's where Raytheon is, BAE Systems uh lockheed uh, all that in new england like general uh, ge general electric so uh so we're just getting rid of all our old shit man instead of it sitting somewhere let's assign a dollar value to it say it's foreign aid send it to ukraine like the m1 tanks even though they're brand new the ones that were sent to ukraine that's like the difference of uh those ones are old volkswagen beetles the ones that they're getting the ones that we have are Formula One cars, right? We're not giving them anything great. Yeah, we're giving them some hardware. It's just steel, right? We're just, it's just steel. It's all we're sending. We're giving them Javelin missiles. Javelin missiles have been around for 40 years, you know? I mean, we're giving them the other, what's what's the other one the Mujahideen used to use? All the ones they gave to uh, bin Laden. Well, uh, stingers, just, stingers. Stingers, yeah. Yeah, so they're giving them all these Stinger missiles. Like, Dude, who cares? That's old technology. Just, just give it to them. It's equivalency of giving them BB guns when you've got an AR-15 in the house. But, but what we're going to say is that Javelin was worth, I don't know, just, I don't know if it's the right dollar amount, but we'll just say 50,000. 50, 50 grand for one Javelin. And I think it's actually more than that. Now the Pentagon can go back to Congress and say, well, we need more money for our budget. Well, what are you doing with the money? Ah, oh, we're developing new weapon systems to keep America safe, free. And who knows what they're doing with that? They're, they're probably taking that and making more spaceships. Like, like we have spaceships. I have no doubt. The Nazis had spaceships. What do you think the bell was? The bell was a time machine based on a based on time traveled spaceship. Now, even Hitler said that we had help from you know, other sources, right? This is why they were so advanced. This is why the United States is so advanced. Semiconductors, fiber optics, all this stuff I feel was like alien technology that we got. And I still think we're still developing technology. Then this guy does this interview and says, oh yeah, we're back engineering all this stuff. Okay, so back engineering it, you know, maybe we even have some of these alien people that are still alive are telling us, like, explaining the tech to us. Because we might not be able to wrap our head around it. But old Valiant Thor here can explain the whole thing like it's elementary school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Using flashcards so to explain it to people. Yeah, so so I, think, I think a lot of it is ours. I think some of it's from off-planet. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in the firmament thing. And, and and no disrespect to anybody that does. I mean, I get it. I just, me right now, 
it's a fence thing. Like I'm sitting on a fence, you know, until I learn more about it. Yes, I know what's in the Bible. Yes, I know what's referred to here. Whatever. It is what it is. A lot of shit in the Bible that, you know, I don't agree with. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that I interpret differently, right? So uh, I think it's a combination of everything, you know? Uh, so that's my brain picking. You know, you wanted to pick my brain. That's my thoughts. <laughs> I, I think it's a combination of lots of different things. I don't think it's one thing. That, that'd be the perfect way to do it, though, if it's a combination of, say, government um, technology, government black projects, real entities, um, falsified information. It gives it enough plausible deniability in certain areas while making the public believe a certain thing at the same time so it works for them. Why do you think there's such an explosion of UFO shows in the last 15 years? Exactly. Why do you think Giorgio Sukalos comes out of virtually nowhere, had a little magazine he printed? And he has his own show, which is highly rated. Like one of the biggest shows on the History Channel is Ancient Aliens. Yeah, you can't say that Ancient Aliens wasn't great entertainment when it came out in the day. Oh my god, I still watch it. It's so good. Even UFO it's Hunters, so they had a uh, I think it was on Discovery or some channel. UFO Hunters was a a big thing at the same time. That was very popular for three seasons, but. I think it's putting enough of the the idea into the public's mind that it becomes almost like societal priming for when they do want to release it. Okay, so 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 now you're bordering on Bluebeam, right? So let's go on that just for a few minutes. I have no doubt that that technology exists to come and make us believe that we're under an alien invasion, right? Because we've been, it's been fed to us ever since Orson Welles went on the radio and did War of the Worlds, right? It's been in the American psyche this whole time, right? So people are expecting that. Like, we've been expecting that, like, for decades. So they're going to give it to us. But what is, what is, what's, what's, the, what, what's the guys that's going to be under? For your safety, you need to... Stay in your house. Do as you're told. Well, do as you're told. We're going to take care of the aliens. Don't shoot at them. <laughs> like in Mars Attacks or uh, even uh, ID4, you know, Independence Day. Or what the kids used to call when they were little, Blow Up. That was yeah. what they called that. Oh, can we watch Blow Up? You've watched it like 20 times. I know, but I want to watch it again. Okay, so I watch it. With the, the real danger to Bluebeam is we know governments and world elites they have no qualms with collateral damage. They could quite easily get one of these fixed-wing triangle aircrafts out in the sky and destroy a, a city, a small city, live on television for the world to see, and that would be their justification with everything else that's going on. But all they got to do is put fear in the general population, just like Tommy Lee Jones said in MIB, right? A person is smart. People are dumb. Right, and he's true. That was absolutely one hundred percent correct. Look at how people have become deranged just from this COVID thing we've been going through for three years. And I know it's really bad in Australia. I know that. Right, it's like probably worse in Australia than the United States. You know, as far as how the government's you know dealing with it or forcing whatever because you know Aussies and United Americans like we're, we are we are not different like at all right I think we're just ready to tell the government to go F themselves right 
Uh, I mean, that's basically what we did in the state of New Hampshire. I mean, it's other than, you know, a few things, it was pretty not as open as Florida, but it was pretty open, right? But look at what it did to the psyche of the people. It turned people into zombies. It turned people into do what you're told for the greater good, right? Pounded into you, all these celebrities, all these news agencies, every single one of them, the Mockingbird media. Uh, well, if you don't get uh, jabbed up or whatever, you shouldn't be able to do this, or you you should just die. Oh, uh, my wife, she got sick. She was she was vaccinated, but she got sick from the people that weren't vaccinated. Okay, that is so ass backwards. Like you're vaccinated, you're fine. Why are you blaming it on me? I'm not vaccinated, dude. I never got sick. I grew up in an auto body shop, which is probably the worst air quality you could ever want to be around. I like my camels and Marlboros, right? And not to offend you, you are of an age demographic, which the media push fear porn out. We're at the risk generations. Yeah. And and it's like, it's like, I'm not worried about any of that. Like if I die tomorrow, I've had a good run. Like I, you could write like books and movies about my life, right? I've had a good run. So whatever happens, happens, right? I'm ready, ready to go to the next level. <laughs> I'm a big reincarnation guy. I believe in reincarnation. So now, we saw what that did in the last three years. Now, could you imagine what that would do to people now that we've been primed for three years, right, just on the COVID agenda? How is that going to make people act if they start seeing spaceships flying around? They're going to lose their minds. Absolutely lose their minds. Well, if people were prepared to kill each other over toilet paper, what are they going to do when a, a triangle yeah, sits over crazy. top of the White House? It's crazy. So so people are going to lose their stuff. There's going to be mayhem in the street, panic in the street. Now I'm talking in the cities, and it's another good reason to stay away from cities. And uh, it's just, it's going to self-destruct. It's going to destruct on its own. And all they're going to do is throw up a few holograms to do it. I mean, there's a lot of us in this community that are like, okay, don't fall for that. Yeah. Maybe like shoot down. The they like could the seal the... Yeah, you know, exactly. And they could seal the deal by shooting down a, a triangle with a few biologically grown little creatures inside. And that seals the deal. Yeah. 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 I mean, it would be as simple as that. Right. I, I don't know. I don't I, I guess we're just going to have to play it by ear and see what happens. I know in the United States, the next year or so is going to be pretty sketchy. So uh, we have a major election coming up. Uh, if they're going to stop Trump from winning, they need to do something. They need to go hard on that. All I can tell you, he has 100 million supporters. Trump has 100 million supporters in this country. Out of 300 million, he has 30%. And what are Trump supporters known for? Conservatives? They like their religion. They like their guns. Number one, they like their guns. They don't like the government telling them what to do. And their family people. Like, that's a demographic you don't want to mess with. Like, this whole January 6th thing, this insurrection. Like, like you don't even know what an insurrection is. The walking tour until, of the Capitol. Until you get 100 million conservatives, gun owners, upset. And they actually decide they're going to do something about it. That's the next American revolution right there. 
Something big, I'm telling you, Drew, right now. Something big is going to happen in the next year or so here. I can feel it. I mean, I've seen it. I just, I, I just really have a feeling that something big is going to happen. I mean, on a government level, like the people versus the government. I think you're like, right. It's, something's going to happen. I, I, I see it coming. It's the, 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 the pot's starting to boil, right? Now, I've, I've been listening to you for quite a while now, and I know your views on Trump, but are you at all worried that Trump has a, some form of a cult of personality that could be exploited to some degree? Oh, 100%. Now, now listen. In the beginning, I was not a Trump fan. I would, like growing up, I was never a Trump fan, right? I voted for him because there was no way I was going to vote for Hillary. Despise Hillary Clinton. Like I, like I have more respect for Bill Clinton than I do Hillary, right? Tell you the truth, the country was running pretty good when Bill Clinton was president. Nobody can, nobody can deny that. It's fact. But I voted for Trump, and I said. You know, how bad can we do, right? <laughs> and and when you see the results that we were getting when he was president, even when he was under attack, constantly under attack, I'm getting myself, I'm like, this guy's really doing what he said he was going to do. And he did, right? Dude, he won that re-election by a landslide. They figured it out, barring all the fraud, that he had over 400 electoral votes. You only need 270 to win. They have to get rid of Trump. Now, do I think he has a lot of cult followers? 100%. I'm not a cult follower. I'm not happy with everything he did. Like, at all. And definitely not happy with some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth and how it comes out of his mouth. But I look at the big picture. Was he a good president? Was he good for the country? Does he care about the working people or not? And I feel as though he does. He's got a lot of fanatics for supporters. There's a lot of fanatical people in this country. Like, I got to tell you, like, like I'm like I'm a pretty hardcore conservative, right? And I know there's people that make me look like like I'm a leftist. <laughs> That's how radical they are. I mean, there is such a thing as right-wing extremists, like for sure. But uh I don't know. You know, part of me part of me says that he needs to get reelected to get this country straightened out again, right? Then the logical side of me comes back and says, if Trump wins again, whatever we saw in the four years that he was president before, you can magnify that by 10 times. It's going to be mayhem if he gets elected again. And that's coming from somebody that supports him, right? But everybody talks about, ah, Trump. You're just following the cult or you're a Trumpster or whatever. I said, okay, well, answer this question then. Are you happy with how the Democrats are running this country? Are you happy with Joe Biden? Well, no, I'm not. I said, okay. If not Trump, then who? There's no third party over there. They don't have an answer, Drew. Simple question. If not Trump, who? Like, I like RFK. 
course, most New Englanders like the Kennedys, you know. Again, they're all corrupt, too. Now, I'm not saying RFK was, but the Kennedy family was criminals. That's how they got their money. And I don't know if you're aware of that. The, the Irish Mafia, weren't they? Well, mafia. pretty much. So old Joe Kennedy, like the patriarch, like he was a bootlegger and he was in bed with the mafia. That's how Jack Kennedy got elected to be president was to help with help from the mafia. I mean, that's common knowledge. Everybody knows that. Right. But yeah, yeah first, pre, first Catholic president too, right. To boot first Irish Catholic president. So, but RFK, his uncle got whacked by the government. His dad got whacked by the government. Right. So does he have some beefs? Does he does he have distrust against the government? Well, of course he does. You know, he's suffering from a vaccine injury himself, right? This is why you this is why he can't talk. You know. So, yeah, uh, I don't like his stance on guns. Like he's got a typical Democrat stance on guns. Like I believe in the United States, the right for us to own guns is will not. Will not be infringed, plain and simple, 100%. Don't mess with our guns. If you want to mess with our guns, then you're going to have a problem with us having guns. Just leave it alone. There's over 350 million firearms in the United States. So if gun owners were going to be a problem, and I know this is cliche, but if gun owners are going to be a problem, like, you would know it. Like, you would definitely know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Who? You know, I really have a lot of faith in Ron DeSantis. I think, I don't want to call him a shill, but I think he's just another WEF wolf in sheep's clothing. Personally, that's just my personal view on it. I, I've had a lot of concerns around DeSantis that, what he did during COVID seemed like he was a bit of a savior and a lot of people flocked to Florida. My biggest concern for people going to Florida was you're all in one spot. If something does go down, you're all together in one place where you can be easily managed. Yeah. Florida's a peninsula. That has a lot of water surrounding it. Now, just for disclosure, I absolutely love Florida. Like I was in Florida during COVID. Like you, there, there was nothing going on down there. Where are people dropping in the streets? And that's when all these news reports, oh, this whole town's being wiped out by COVID. Biggest bunch of bullshit you've ever heard. Like I was there. I was there when they were saying it. Like I was in the next town over. I'm like, none of this is going on here. Like drive through the parking lot of the hospitals. There's like nobody here. So they're just making that stuff up. They wanted to, dis- they knew Ron DeSantis was going to be popular. So they started their disinformation campaign and their smear campaign like right off. Because they didn't want the rest of the country to understand that how Ron DeSantis was running Florida proved that this agenda was bullshit. Because we don't have a problem in Florida. Now, Florida people ain't no different than people from New York. As a matter of fact, people from New York winter in Florida. People from New England winter in Florida. Right? But California's having all these issues. Having all these other issues and these other like Great Lake states and Chicago, which is a freaking nightmare. You know, anti-gun town that has more murders than any other city. And, uh, but Florida's not having an issue. Why is that? Because they didn't buy into it. 
which was a lesson for the rest of the country. Like, don't buy into it either. Like, like New Hampshire didn't buy into it either. I mean, yeah, we had some restrictions. We had, but I was open. I didn't have to close down. I'm in an automotive business, so that's essential, anyways. But I'm like, it's nothing different. A customer would come in wearing a mask or whatever, and I would just let them know. Listen, just so you know, that's not mandatory here. You don't have to wear a mask here. Oh, cool. They'd peel it off. <laughs> or some people would say, well, I just want to be safe. Okay, cool. Uh, but I can tell you, you're pretty safe here because nobody's sick here. Nobody's going to be sick here. Like, COVID virus comes inside my garage, looks around, <laughs> smells the air. It says, smells the cigarette smoke, paint fumes, exhaust fumes. <laughs> COVID virus is like, yeah, frick this place. I'm out of here. I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm worthless here. I'm out, you know? So, uh, yeah, no, we could go on and on and on about that. Let, but, let's uh, close, let's close the know, show. Nobody's going to vote for Pence. Nobody's going to vote for Pence. Pence is an idiot. No, absolutely. Let's close the show up then. You're, you're someone who's got the finger on the pulse of geopolitics and American politics really well from what I listen to the show and what I see myself in my research. 2024, who do you see the Democrat Party running for president and VP? And who do you see the Republicans running for president and VP? What's the lineup going to be, do you think? Well, I can tell you what I think is going to happen. The Democratic Party is already shunning RFK. But the Republican Party also shunned Trump when he won, like when he was running. Like the DNC and the RNC, those, those, those organizations should be disbanded. Because all it is is that to get DNC is going to want their anointed queen, Hillary, to be president, right? Kamala Harris doesn't have enough brains to even be the freaking janitor in the White House, let alone be the president. I don't see her going anywhere, right? She dropped out of New Hampshire, the New Hampshire primary. Like, like she didn't even finish, like, through the primary. She dropped right out. She says, I'm not going anywhere here. Look at how the DNC, like, banished Tulsi Gabbard. Like, I thought Tulsi Gabbard would have been a, would have been a good, you know, good person to run for president, personally. Uh, and I have voted for Democratic presidents in the past, right? Now, you remember, I've been voting since the 80s, since the 1980s. Now, if the Democrats were smart... Instead of fighting RFK, they would work with him. Because, in my opinion, cheating aside, like no malfeasance, nothing, RFK is the only person that could beat Trump. So I don't know, I don't know who else in the Democratic Party would run. Biden says he's going to run. I really don't think he's going to make it that far. Harris, we know, is not going to run. Is it going to be some other underling? Who knows? They're not really giving us a lot of information because, as you say, the DNC is already coming out and saying we're not going to have, like, debates. So what does that tell you? We don't care who else is going to run. Does it going to matter? Joe Biden, if he runs, like, legitimately, is going to be the nominee, right? Because he's easily controlled, like, he ain't running the show. Everybody knows that. It's probably Obama and Hillary combined still running the show, right? Obama always said in his old speech, 
or this old interview that if I could run a third term, just run it from the shadows, I would do it. Okay, so that's what he's doing. It's exactly what he's doing, right? I don't think anybody has any doubt about that. So, so I don't know. I don't know on the Democratic side what's going to happen. But I will say if they're smart, they will they will embrace RFK because he would do very well. RFK has a lot of conservative followers, like big time. Like I follow RFK. I've been a fan of RFKs for years. Well, there's lots like of Americans years. that view the Kennedys as like a, a form of royalty. They follow them that degree. Well, okay, so in New England, the Kennedys are royalty, in my opinion. Okay, they are. They, they called it Camelot, right, the Kennedy family, the compound down in Hyannis, which is actually on, I don't know if you know what Hyannis is, but it's on Cape Cod. So, uh, so yeah, they got a huge compound down here. It's multiple houses. It's absolutely huge. And, uh, but, but that's, that's, that's my guess on that. The RFK would be the only one that could be any Republican. But the Democrats are going to have to get behind him and start getting him support, which is not looking like they're going to do. Because RFK is more of a centrist. The only way he really leans hard left is on the guns, right? And I think his stance on that, if he knew he was going to do better politically and he had any chance of doing well in the primary, uh, he's going to have to loosen up his stance on guns. It's plain and simple. Like guns is one of the number one biggest hot-button issues there is in the United States is guns, right? You cannot take guns away from Americans. You will have a civil war in your hands. A civil war or a revolution, and those two are different. Now, as far as Republicans go, unless they can really pull out their witch hunt and get Trump, like, put away... I don't see anybody going against Trump. His approval right now is over 50%. Everybody else is like the next one down is like 27%. A lot of people in New England do like Ron DeSantis. I will say that. Uh, we're not big Pence fans here. As far as New England, there's a concern. Mike Pence is a traitor, right? Uh, whether that's actually... True or not is all based on what your thoughts are on January 6th and, and what the actual election results were, right? Uh, because he certified the election. He was the casting vote to certify the election. That right there made him a traitor in the eyes of tens of millions of people, right? So he's got that working against him. Not only that, there's some rumors of his, you know, sex life besides being married to his wife. <laughs> Uh, you know, without getting into it. Who else was it that was this? And I mean, and you have all these other people that are throwing their hat into the ring, which are just people to model the pool, as I like to say. Uh, I think, I think, uh, I think Trump, if Trump is able to run, I think Trump will be the top guy in the Republican Party. And I don't think the Republican National Committee is going to have anything to say about it. Because conservatives are tired of them as well. Because what they do, like in the midterm elections, anybody that was running that was endorsed by Trump was blackballed by the RNC. So they were not supporting their own people in their party, which goes to show they have their, what I call the rhino agenda, 
you know, the Mitt Romneys, the, you know, whoever else. Even a governor of our own state is becoming to be considered a rhino. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's what I see. I mean, I see possibly a Trump versus RFK. I mean, a lot's going to have to happen in the next year or so to make that happen. But in my opinion, I think something big enough is going to happen. Just my opinion. Something big enough is going to happen where they may be in the first time in this nation's history in a position where they postpone a presidential election. And there's lots of different ways that they can do that. There's lots of ways that they can postpone a presidential election. Well, it'd be very serendipitous if it was RFK up against Trump and someone assassinated Kennedy. Well, Kennedys have a habit of getting shot. <laughs> Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would hate hate to see that happen, obviously. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, not you know, not everybody in New England loves the Kennedys. Uh, I, for one, am very fond of the Kennedy family. Always have been. It's just how you grow up in New England, you know, <laughs> JFK, RFK, you know, you got RFK Jr. Uh, I know when uh, JFK Jr. disappeared, that was a big deal in New England when he disappeared en route to uh, from New York City to Martha's Vineyard, which is a very short flight, by the way. And uh, it just happened to be that he was running, uh, he was going to be running for Senate against Hillary Clinton. And then he disappeared. I don't well, listen, Drew. I don't believe any of these conspiracy theories that say he's still alive. I just don't believe that. I just don't see that happening. <laughs> no, not at all. Bit of a pot but, uh, but I'd like to. I'd like to say uh, if you want to make things interesting, it's RFK Jr. versus Trump in the next election. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the best bets at so far. See yeah. what the next six so months tells, we'll, but so I guess we'll have to check back in a year and see how close I was because <laughs> I did call. I did call the election last time. When, uh, actually, we, we had this little, we called it the draft on Dangerous World, like like way back when the show was pretty new. And uh, and I and the big question was, who's going to be Biden's running mate for vice president? They had all these scenarios. I said, I'll tell you right now who it's going to be. It's going to be Kamala Harris. So I won. I won that <laughs> draft. Uh Obviously, she's a total idiot, like total idiot. idiot. The high like, in the White House, well, she doesn't sit there and laugh. Oh, my God. You know, I don't like to talk bad about people, but, I mean, she's clearly an idiot. She really is. <laughs> it's just, it is I mean, I, I feel bad. I feel bad for people that voted for Biden and uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, they only put her on the ticket because she was a female. And a woman of color. And a female of color. Uh, even though she is about as as, as much of an African American as I am, <laughs> I mean that was just it just goes to prove another big fugazi that the American public fell for, right? I think Americans are tired of this political system. I think uh, I think more people need to study the Constitution. I might do a few shows on it where I just read the Constitution as a bonus episode. Uh, I'd like to get in read the Federalist Papers. Uh, start talking about uh, you know Thomas Jefferson, uh, Thomas Paine, 
you know, John Adams, some of the founding fathers, you know, because my family goes back pre-revolution in this country uh, on both sides. So, so yeah, people are uneducated, Drew, and I think that's part of the problem. They're uneducated because they got their education in indoctrinated schools, indoctrinated colleges, and indoctrinated television. This is where they get the information. They never cracked a book. I've got so many books, I actually have a storage bin up in this big barn full of books, right? I take the time and I read up on stuff. Now, I don't mean I read stuff online. I read stuff online sometimes, but if you want the real deal, you got to read old books, pre-internet books, where once that book was printed and published, those, those, those storylines don't change. They're the same. You read a story online about something, it could say something this week, next week, that's totally been changed, right? That doesn't happen in old books. So people listening to Missing the Point podcast, crack a book once in a while. <laughs> Learn what's going on. That's it. They they can't go back and change what's printed and already out in circulation. Ron, oh. this has been absolutely fantastic. It's great that you were able to take the time and, and join me today. I know it's not where you are, so I really appreciate it that you jumped on. Fantastic putting a face to the voice for the first time, which is amazing also. Great meeting you uh, face-to-face in person. And if the listeners who don't know you, which they all should by now, they must be living under rocks, where can they find your work? Well, you can listen to the Wicked Planet podcast anywhere you can find uh, uh, Drew's podcast. Right, missing a point. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on all the podcast apps. We are now on iHeartRadio and on Amazon Music. And because we're on Amazon Music, we're also available on audible.com. So we've added quite a few venues uh, to where you can go and listen to the show. But as you know, Drew, you can go on Podbean or, you know, just name them. I mean, there's a million podcast apps out there. Uh, And if you don't listen on a device... You can listen on the computer by going to altmediaunited.com and listen to the show right there, right on your right on your laptop or your on your desktop. So uh, you can listen to us uh, all over the place. And at some point, I know I keep saying this, but we need to take the time to do it. Uh, we're going to be putting together a studio so we can have a visual podcast. So if you really wanted to watch us, you could. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I'm just not in a super rush to do that. I kind of think that podcast should be uh, just audio. Yeah, I'm kind of the same mind. It's it's yeah, just the way yeah. I listen to them as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, you listen to podcasts while you're driving, while you're working. Well, I listen to podcasts when I first lay down to go to sleep because I have to shut my brain down. Like, I just can't lay down and go to sleep. I'll just sit there, like, wired for, like, hours. But if I listen to a podcast, turn it down low, put the sleep timer on, before you know it, I'm out like a light. There you yeah, go, people. True, true, go listen yeah. to Ron. Fall asleep to his wonderful voice. You know, the other thing is, too, uh, real easy to find on Instagram. Like, Instagram is the hub for all the podcasters, right? So go on Instagram. Look up Ron from New England. All one word. Give me a follow. We also have the Wicked Planet podcast page on there where you get just kind of podcast uh, information, right? I do the little album covers. I think those are kind of cool. Uh, I think I'm like one of the only ones that do it. Like they're all uniform. They're all very similar. And uh, so I have this little, this little strategic thing that I do. Like I will put pictures of certain things that 
kind of let you know what the subjects are that we're mm-hmm. talking about in the show. It's kind of cool. So, uh, so go listen to the Wicked Planet. Uh, when you're done listening to Missing the Point, go to the Wicked Planet and come and join Drew and I on the Wicked Planet podcast chat page. Come and check us out. A lot of weird stuff goes on over there, huh? Drew? It does, definitely. Good yeah. little page to follow. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting place over there. I, I check in a couple times a day. I usually check in to see what's going on or I'll post stuff or I'll see what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I can't, find, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot, but I don't go looking for people on Instagram. So I'm thinking, well, if they're following the Wicked Planet podcast chat page on Telegram, well, they're right there. I can check it out. So it's kind of cool. And and, uh, and I like that you put your uh, show uh, links on there too. I really, I like that. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Just trying to share it out there, get out the word out and reach a few more ears. Well, you know, we, we share listeners, right? So that's cool. And that's yeah. how we can both broaden our audiences and, and, you know, I just want you to know that I've been wanting to get together with you for the longest time, so I'm glad we were finally able to make that happen. Thanks, Ron. Very much appreciative. Yeah, so we're going to do this again. We'll have you. We'll get you in on Wicked Planet here. We'll, we'll set something up so you can come and visit us. That'd be great, mate. All right, everybody, you have a wonderful day, and catch you next time. <laughs>